Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey! Hey! Welcome back to the podcast! Freaking crazy, Jim. I just started it. What? We're recording. Oh, man. Should I start over? No. Let's do this. All right, we're doing it. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're getting a little loopy here. Howdy, howdy. Joe, I got mass in uh, 33 minutes, so this is going to be... Let's boogie. We got a boogie. Uh, today, we're talking about a sad topic, which is excommunication, but... Kicking people out of the church. Kicking people out of the church since 33, 80. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, no, this is not a good thing, but it does have scriptural roots. Paul talks about excommunication, and it has a scriptural foundation. But, um, well... Excommunication is founded in the early days of the church. I uh, I must say it's, there's some complicated canon law behind this, and I really uh, yeah I uh, I'm very uh, surprised how little attention I paid in canon law class. Well, I'm actually very interested in this because in fact this is a response to a listener request, isn't it, John? Uh, two listener requests. The first one, <laughs> what's her name? Betsy. Uh, I was going to say Helga. Betsy though. Yeah, Betsy. Who's the other one? David Toner. Oh, David. David Toner is a uh, student. I would call him a friend of mine, new friend of mine up here at CU. David Toner climbed a 14 with me a couple weeks ago and wore a silk sweater imported from Italy on a 14er. That's amazing. But he That's also almost dri- like uh, Tim Danaher wearing a dress shirt. That's right. I've never seen someone so well dressed on a 14er, but he drives an F-150. If you're questioning his manhood, he's a, he's a good guy. All right. Good to know. I was questioning. So uh, my friend Toner sent me this email, and this is, this is a an article from the National Catholic Reporter, known to some as the National Catholic Distorter, but that's for another topic. All right. So this is a, uh, if we were going to use political term, a more liberal publication, and there write an article, None Excommunicated for Allowing Abortion. Now this is from May 18th, uh, about a year and a half ago. The long story short, Joey... A sister of mercy named Margaret McBride worked at Phoenix's Catholic Hospital. She was on the Ethics Committee. She's a Catholic nun. And she gave the green light um, in her authority position that it was morally good and allowable act, uh, according to church teaching, to procure an abortion for the sake of saving a woman's life at the hospital by which she was on the Ethics Committee. Hmm. Because of this public act, she was excommunicated, not by Bishop Olmsted, but Bishop Olmsted said she has excommunicated herself. Interesting. Okay, so this is where it gets real tricky. And uh, Olmsted said uh, that because she formally cooperated in the abortion, she's automatically excommunicated. Okay, so we got to get into the nature of excommunication. What does that mean that she automatically excommunicated herself? Because when we think of excommunication, we think of like, you know, the guy rides from Rome on the horse in the 14th century and he pulls out the thing and then, you know, the crowd takes him down off the horse and they burn it. You know, that's Luther burned his excommunication decree. Mm. Uh, but that's kind of how we think of it is very dramatic. And then we right. torture him or something like that. And then they beg for forgiveness. You are or hereby kicked out of the exactly. church. Exactly. You are forever condemned. But the truth of the matter is mm. that if I'm reading canon law, right, excommunications are medicinal. 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 Meaning like for the sake of the sinner. For the sake of the sinner, for the sake of the health, to heal the relationship. But they have to be. They are. It is the most severe punishment, so to speak, in terms of ecclesiastical, um, uh, what, what would you say, in terms of ecclesiastical law, ecclesiastical mm-hmm. penalty. The church has the right to order, legally, uh, the structure of its existence. It has that authority. 
by Christ to do that. And that means that there has to be some kind of punishment. I mean, if you think of like, uh, I mean, we live in a culture that just like, this is so medieval, but because we've rejected punishment, we've rejected moral law, we've rejected everything. So we have no sense of law, we have no sense of order, we have no sense of structure, purpose, hierarchy, authority. We have none of these. And then we look at excommunication, we're like, oh, that poor nun. Right? Well, that's because we have like, we're missing the philosophical foundation by which any kind of law or penalty or punishment actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because there's a truth claim that this is a moral evil and you're committing something evil against the existence of the church. Interesting. I think that'd be surprising for a lot of people to hear. Yeah. So... Um, a quick definition of what excommunication is. This is from a um, very, very complex theological source known as the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Okay, here we go. Excommunication. A severe ecclesiastical penalty resulting from grave crimes against the Catholic religion imposed by ecclesiastical authority or incurred as, or incurred as a direct result of the commission of an offense. Okay, so it's an offense against the Catholic faith. And it's a punishment imposed by Catholic authority or directly resulting from the uh, uh, offense itself. The commission, yeah. So when we say you commit a mortal sin, mm-hmm. okay, it's grave matter, full knowledge, full understanding, and you're unrepented from that. You have cut yourself off from God. Right. What implies with that is that certain sins of that cut yourself off from the church as well. Right. Because of the church role as the mediator of Christ, as the body of Christ. That when you do that, you violate. So excommunication, suspension, these penalties essentially are saying certain sins cut you from the life of God, and therefore they also cut you from the life of the church Interesting. As well. So excommunication is in a, in, a, in a place where someone just committed a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. It's really just calling a spade a spade. Right. It's like, I'm not excommunicating you. I'm just letting you know that by doing this sin and being unrepentant, you are excommunicated. You have excommunicated yourself. You have right. cut yourself off from communion and our outside communion by your own decision with the church. Exactly. There's no way to be in communion with the Catholic Church and out of communion with God. Right. So that's the first thing. Those we call excommunication laete sententiae by the very act of itself. It's ipso facto uh, a result of the act. And then the other kind is when it's incurred or when it's um, imposed so it's either incurred by the nature of the act itself or right. it's imposed, which we call ferende uh, sententiae, sententia, yeah. a sentence that that which is given um, versus that which is kind of latent. I so want to hear about the imposed one. I'm curious about that because it seems like the other one makes sense. Like I commit a mortal sin. I excommunicate myself from the church. I put myself out of communion. But I want to hear about when it's like imposed, not because of something I've done at least not as far as a moral center at least you seems to be some distinction there okay now if i'm not mistaken joe uh, and by the way we're going to come back to an evaluation of the excommunication of the nun itself oh interesting. why that happened this is a great podcast yeah like thanks i'm kind of sweating bullets over here because i prepared for about four and a half minutes on this and i realized i i should know canon law but the whole reason for this podcast um is because of um this guy's question this is my you right. know, toner toner's question and I said, okay, that's a good question, man. So I got to look at this. Now, um, Joe, here's what I'm here's what I'm seeing. This is part two of book six, Sanctions in the Church in the Code of Canon Law, which is a very large thing. So kind of thumbing through this a little bit. What I found was there are four, uh, five, five types, nope, six types, six types of excommunication. Hmm. Okay. Six types. They kind of fall into categories. Uh, religion and the unity of the church. Okay. Against ecclesiastical authority. And I'm going to give you just a quick example so you understand what all these are. Ecclesiastical functions. Uh, 
falsehood, special obligations, and human life and freedom. That's where uh, Sister, Sister Margaret McBride, McBride is going to come in. Okay, So let's go back through those real quick, just real briefly. Number one, uh, excommunications that are imposed uh, against religion and the unity of the church. Any apostate from the faith, a heretic or a schismatic, incurs an elete and sententiae excommunication. Okay? That's schismatic. One, schismatic. Heretic, obstinate denial of the faith. Schismatic is a, is, a, is a complete removal or separation from the authority of the church. That's one example. Another example of... Um, an excommunication according to against religion and the unity of the church is if you sacrilege the blessed sacrament, automatically incur an excommunication. Hmm. So you can see how um, these are mortal acts, and uh, so that's really what they're saying. These these acts excommunicate you because they're serious because of the gravity sin. of the act. Mm-hmm. Lay sententiae. Now, what's interesting here, Joe, is that going through this list, that was the. Well, let's go through this list first. Second type against ecclesiastical authority: person who uses physical force against the Roman pontiff. Okay. That's so if I if I go up and slap the Pope, then yeah. I'm excommunicated. I don't know if it's a slap or if like when that guy shot it, John Paul II, 1980, that would have incurred an ex uh, uh, an excommunication. Number three, uh, ecclesiastical functions. Uh, so this is like a a woman. Uh, there was there was women in Europe, I think. Who where was this on the Danube River? And they said they were ordained, and they said mass automatically incur an excommunication, lay sententia, because they are impersonating the office of the priest, hmm. and they don't have it. So anyone who attempts the liturgical action of the Eucharistic sacrifice, though not promoted to sacerdotal order, boom. According to this third type, automatically incur a lay te sententia excommunication. Another example: a bishop ordains another bishop, like what happened at the Society of Saint Pius X in 1990 or somewhere around there. Right. He ordained it without a papal mandate, which means it's not from the Holy Father. You might want to talk about this, like wh- like Saint Pius X Society was a society that was much more traditional, and uh, they. Well, I don't know actually the story behind it as much. I just know they're not in communion with Rome. But when we make that reference, it's there's there's a group of priests and bishops, right, mm-hmm. from uh, Archbishop Lefebvre in France, mm-hmm. who didn't agree with some changes in Vatican II, particularly on religious freedom and liturgical stuff, uh, and so without a mandate from uh, the Holy Father, which is required, right. he ordained men bishops, which I guess is what happens when you... Well, that's how he got excommunicated or excommunicated right. himself. And what happened, actually, was recently Pope Benedict lifted that excommunication. Awesome. So there was some kind of repentance, but there's a formal lifting of the excommunication. Interesting. Basically because of the public nature. And we'll come back to that in a second. The difference between lay sententiae and ferende sententiae, uh, uh, an imposed or a... Uh, uh, implicit mm-hmm. communication, so to speak. Uh, here's another one. A confessor who directly violates the sacramental seal automatically incurs a lay sententia excommunication. If I break the seal of confession, I'm automatically excommunicated. Really? So if I, if you say, if I go to confession to you and then you tell somebody else that's in, then you're excommunicated. Absolutely. Wow, that's intense. Isn't that intense? The church holds that pretty hardcore. That's beautiful, though. I mean, it really preserves the integrity of yeah. the sacrament, you yep, know? Absolutely. Uh, and then a couple others, you know, a cleric who attempts marriage uh, incurs a lay sentences. You don't want to do that. But then the last one, and this is the big one, this is the big one in the United States. Um, these are excommunications that follow from um, acts against human life and freedom. Canon 1397. Person who commits a homicide, kidnaps, detains, mutilates, gravely wounds a person by force or fraud is to be punished with the privations and prohibitions according to the gravity, so the gravity of the act. But then it explicitly says, a person who procures 
a completed abortion and cures a late sententia excommunication. Okay. Hmm. That is a very clear one sentence right. canon, very, very explicit. And I'm guessing that came into the code in 83 because of the frequency of the sin of abortion. And the catechism only talks about excommunication one time, only one time in the whole thing. And it does it precisely at that one place where, um, it talks about abortion, the evil of abortion. So it's interesting that the catechism is not big on that um, and, and kind of fleshing that out. But at the same sense, it's very clear uh, interesting, about yeah. that. So that is uh, the, the things that you can do to be excommunicated or things you shan't do. This is very interesting, though, because I think for – I mean, I know the impression a lot of people can get, and myself included, uh, before really studying some of this stuff – is that it seems almost like a power game. Yeah, it's just like a power just, thing. And, it's just bomb and power. Which, and we have to be honest with that, sometimes it has been in the right. past. The church has always been full of saints and sinners, and it's some things that are meant for the good of the sinner and for the sanctification of people's souls have been used and abused for the sake of power. Right. Um, but, uh, but, I mean, there's if this is a part of the tradition of the church, it's for the sake of, and like you say, med- medicinal. Right. It's medicinal it's for the sake of the salvation of the soul. And we need to recover something there so that when we use this language so much in the culture, in the media, oh, you know, he denied communion to this person, he's excommunicating people left and right. It just looks like we're just playing power games. Right. And it's really, that's not what it's about. When a, when a bishop, especially nowadays in America, I don't know if there's any bishops that are so dumb to use excommunication as a power game. Yeah. It's much, I mean, they, they, they're very careful about that, but they also want to be honest that when you do this, you are destroying your soul. And, yeah. and it's for the sake of the sinner that... We excommunicate if, if if a man. And it's not even the bishops excommunicating. It's just saying you. It's it's calling a spade a spade. It's right. saying that you have excommunicated yourself. And and really, the, there's very few ferende sententia excommunications that we see. Most of them, even with John Paul II, I'm I'm quite sure he just said you are imp- you have automatically incurred excommunication by the nature of your of the uh, act. So the things you, you listed off there were late sententia. Those were all late sententia. But, uh, what, can you give me some examples of ferende? Oh, which are like the imposed this is, one. <laughs> this is where I'm super rusty. Um, here's my gut feeling. I don't think there's a distinction in terms of acts. Like the the Ferende Sententiae, I would assume they are making explicit. Right. That's what I was going to guess. What would be implicit. So like, for example, Martin Luther, schismatic act. Okay. But he does it in a public way. So that the the Holy Father says, because of the public nature of this act, I need to make a public imposition of the the uh, excommunication, which has already been implicitly rendered. So he excommunicated himself. The Pope publicly imposes that because of the public nature of the act. Hmm. So a ferende sententia excommunication, um, one that's imposed from Rome or from a bishop, would be almost like a conf- confirmation of the act, but it would require a certain kind of appealing or or repeal, so to speak. And especially something like that, where other people's souls can be in danger. Exactly. uh, Where not only is he in error, but he's leading others so that the church can make an explicit statement for the sake of those others, not just for his own soul, that this is, this is, he's excommunicating himself by this. Do not follow. Exactly. Exactly. And so I I think we have to kind of flip it around. It's not just, we don't like you, so we're going to excommunicate you. Though that has happened in the past, and we have to be—I mean, we just got to be honest, Joe. You know, we're honest guys. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do honest podcasts, 
And uh, I'm frantically looking for the next thing I'm going to talk about. <laughs> so say something intelligent just for a minute. Well, I was going to think. I we, just lost. We should. It. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. Um, no, but I was thinking we should probably we should do a podcast on some point on just some of the messy stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's very easy to uh, kind of have this polished, kind of glossed over image of the church in history, mm-hmm. and it's it's it, a lot of it's a big mess. I mean, there's the church oh, has always yeah. has never erred in faith and morals. Um, and where there's always been saints throughout history, but there's been a lot of corruption in the church. Not as much as people make it out sometimes. Absolutely, but there definitely has been. Oh, it's um, totally it's totally caricatured, yeah. and and even like the abuse of of excommunication, these kind of things have been uh, totally abused. Mm-hmm. So good work. That was a nice transition because I just found what I was looking for. Great, and I got mass in uh, 17 minutes, so we got hustle. Catechism, paragraph 1463. You ready for this? Let's do it. Certain particularly grave sins incur excommunication. So we're right. The most severe ecclesiastical penalty, which impedes the reception of the sacraments and the exercise of certain ecclesiastical acts, and for which absolution consequently cannot be granted. Really? According to canon law, except by the Pope, the bishop of the place, or priest authorized by them. In danger of death, any priest... Even if, de- even if deprived of faculties for hearing the confessions, can absolve from every sin and excommunication. Now, that is what David Toner asked me. How can this nun, if she came to me for confession, could I hear her confession? Right. And the answer would be? No. Except? Unless she was about to die. In danger of death, I could, I could hear her confession and lift her excommunication. To be excommunicated means that you have been removed from, uh, from the... Um, Totally went blank. It means you have been removed from the sacramental life of the church. You have right. been completely removed. Now, there are certain things that have been delegated. Because remember, we got to read this carefully. By the Pope, the bishop of the place, or priests authorized by them. I believe that every priest, in the at least in our diocese, has been authorized to... And I, I just can hear J.D. Flynn, the, the vice chancellor of the archdiocese, calling me and saying, what were you saying on this podcast? So I'm really hoping this is right. I'm kind of sweating over here. Are you talking about abortion? Yeah. Yeah, I think so I've heard I, this So well. I have... I'm pretty sure I have been authorized to hear... Uh, to absolve abortions and to lift excommunications that are automatically incurred, even though it's in canon law. This is really freaking me out. I've never been so nervous in a podcast before. So I'm pretty sure that if... if um, Sister of Mercy Margaret McBride came to me, fully repentant, fully desiring communion to the church, and I had been given, delegated, authorization for that sin, which I believe I could, uh, that she had incurred the excommunication, I believe I could lift the excommunication and absolve the sin. And there's a certain formula for the for the lifting of the excommunication that I don't know, that I would have to look up. Question, does the lifting of the excommunication automatically imply reconciliation with the church? Like, is it equivalent to confession in some sense? If the excommunication is lifted? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because the church cannot force you to, to ask forgiveness for your sins. Okay, so it's just it's saying that that's complicated. Because it seems like the church is saying, like, I don't know. How, so well, then like, what does it mean, then? If you so, like, the it means you're back. It means you desire communion with the church. So it, it wouldn't make sense for you to not go to confession. But the church can't say, you have to go to confession, right. and then you can come to us. But if you come to the church and say, I desire, I desire to be reconciled with the church— Great. Encourage the confession and then the lifting of the excommunication. Interesting. So, uh, and I think it was out of goodwill that the Holy Father lifted the excommunications. Seeing goodwill and seeing their desire for communion, he lifted the excommunications from those bishops who were ordained without apostolic mandate. 
<sighs> this is this is why I will never study canon law. Mark That's my great. words. That's, because that was good, there man. are certain legal minds. Father John is not one of them. I don't know if Father Joe is either or will be. Definitely not a legal mind. Oh, man. Let's go back, do something. Let's do some stupid historical one next week. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. We got four minutes to do a um, email. Let's do a little email here. This is actually uh, kind of interesting. So this is from Mark. And this is, do you remember way back when we did a podcast on Nimrod? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is in reference to Nimrod. Gents, just want to say hi and let you know I really enjoy your podcast. I accidentally found it on iTunes a couple months ago. He likes it. Well, yada, yada, yada. On the Nimrod podcast, you both were interested in why Nimrod became a popular name in the 80s. While I'm not sure I can answer that, <laughs> since listening to your podcast, I will no longer think of Nimrod as only a pink villain in the Marvel Comics universe. Do you remember Nimrod? No. Yeah. He was a... And then he put a link to the Wikipedia article of like Nimrod, who was like the... So that's where it came from. Well, I don't know if that's where it came from, but there was a guy named Nimrod who was in Marvel who was like, yeah, this... He was really kind of blissed out pink dude. <laughs> So he said, since the 80s, this was the only vision in my mind, an unfortunate occurrence of Nimrod. That's awesome. There you go. So appreciate that, Mark. Mark. Bring some clarity to that. Thanks for actually finding us. And it's amazing how people actually find this. The amazing thing is that they keep listening, but it's also great that they find us as well. That is kind of fun. I think that's all for today. I think I'm going to go take a nap. No, i got to say mass in 12 minutes. i got to go drive home in traffic. But email us again. We love to get them. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Facebook, Catholic Stuff Podcast. Talk to you soon.